God loves getting your knee mails. Not your emails, but your knee mails where we're on our knees before God praying unto the Lord. So God loves getting your knee mails. I want to talk tonight on knee mail. Because we talk about email, we communicate by email. Did you get my email? God can't wait to get your knee mail. Isn't that fun? Yeah. God doesn't just answer knee mails transactionally as a business guy or a service provider. He loves getting your knee mails like a grandmother from their grandchildren. And he can't wait to see your heart and your pictures and your little videos that you replay in your mind as you talk with him on your knees with knee mail. So there's good theology, but we want to have knee-ology. Otherwise, we just end up with me-ology, me, myself, and I. But if we're on our knees with good me-ology, we'll have good he-ology, which is him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we get to introduce people to because we've been with him. I love the story of uh, the book of Acts, 28 chapters. And in Acts chapter 4, it says this. It says the Pharisees, they, they said, oh my gosh. They were, basically say this. They're like, these are untrained and ignorant men talking about the disciples. They didn't go to the Ivy League school of the day. They didn't make that two percentile that would go on to become Pharisees or Sadducees. They didn't cut it. Yet, these untrained and ignorant men, meaning they hadn't been to seminary and graduated and become Pharisees, which can fairly see, and the Sadducees, which sometimes are Sadducee, with all that good theology, but they lacked neology out of relationships, sending God emails. And this is what they said about the disciples. Even though they're untrained and ignorant men, we know they've been with Jesus. Why? Jesus was crucified, he was buried in the ground, he was raised from the dead, but they knew that these disciples had been with Jesus. They had neology and they had emails with God because they carried that same presence, that same authority. The blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame walked, the dead were raised, the gospel was preached unto the poor because they had relationship. And God doesn't just love getting your emails out of relationship, but he loves answering your emails by sending angels from heaven to come and provide the provision of heaven for you. Here's what's interesting about the life of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 24. So 1 Samuel chapter 1. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah, and by the way, Hannah means grace. H-A-N-N-A-H, Hannah. You know what Hannah is spelled backwards? It's Hannah. So do you know what grace is to the believer? It's Hannah. Whether you're moving forward in God, there's grace to grow. Whether you're moving backwards, backsliding, there's grace to repent. Whether you're moving forward in God or backward in God, grace moves both directions. God's Hannah shows up his 
mercy, his grace, his unmerited favor. So once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, Hannah, Grace got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was deep in anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed unto the Lord. Have you ever cried bitterly and prayed unto the Lord? God seems to hear those prayers. There's something about when a child cries out, not that I'm hungry or I want to do this, not when they're throwing the temper tantrum, but when they cry out, a mother will hear the frequency in a child's voice and a mother can distinguish between the cry of anguish and pain and sorrow versus the cry of selfishness. And God knows the difference when we send him an email, what spirit we're sending it in, and he loves to answer. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed unto the Lord, and she made this vow. Have you ever made a vow unto the Lord? The Bible says, don't quickly make a vow. But if you vow, don't defer or delay in repaying it or pay it. For the Lord has no delight in fools. It's better not to vow a vow than to vow it and not pay that vow or fulfill that vow. I remember one time I had, the Lord had spoken to me to like sow a certain seed and on the sacrificial amount of time. I won't mention what it was because it doesn't matter because it's different for every single person. Your vow, your seed, whether you have this many zeros or this many zeros is the one between you and the Lord, and that's the one that's sacrificial for you. For the woman who gave two pennies, that was everything she had. For the other person, they gave much more, but it wasn't anything to them. So I remember I vowed this vow, and I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. And I had to pay that vow off in pieces until it was done. And I was actually down in France in Missouri, and I was in a hotel, and I had the rest of the money. And as I walked into the hotel, who walks in? But the guy who was preaching the message the night that I made the vow and the prophet who was there that the Lord told me to sow into and make that vow. And I pieced it out and I walked up. I said, I've got the rest of it. Gave it to him. He prayed over me. And what's interesting is it was a painful vow to fulfill. But when I did that, he prayed for me and I got an impartation that money can't buy. You can't buy the gifts of the Spirit. You can't buy an anointing. You can't buy the gifts of healing or the, but you can sow into somebody else's life and it will impart to you for your assignment. Notice I didn't say it'll impart to you for your glory or so you can have something on your shoulder that you got this or that, but rather for your assignment. I remember one day I was praying and I went out, I was in prison, it was 1997, and there was a revival going on at the facility where I was at, a lot of emails were going up at that time as we were praying. We just finished a 21-day fast, and, and uh, power God had come, and revival had broken out on the compound. And I remember I went out onto the yard, excuse me, went out onto the prison yard to get away from ministry, to get away from people. Because when revival's happening, Jesus in you is in high demand. You just happen to be the vessel that's carrying Jesus in that moment. Don't ever think they're, you know, thinking it's you. 
it's him in you. And if you ever think it's you, he'll lift or he'll close or you know, whatever. And I thought, I just need to get away from all these prisons. There was kind of a captive audience, you know, and I was one of them. And I went out on the yard to get some time alone with the Lord. I was just exhausted. Dozens and dozens of people had come to Christ. And they all were hungry. They wanted Bibles and wanted to grow. And they all had theology questions and they were answering those. And as I went out, I saw a man and it was cold out and I thought nobody's going to be outside. And there was one guy out there and they closed the door for the 50 minutes for the move on the hour, that 10 minute move. And I thought, well, there's only two of us. I'll be good. David, David. And I was like, oh, Lord, don't let him come over here. I want to spend time with you. And this is what came up in my spirit. You're not your own. You belong to Jesus. You're not your own. You belong to him. You were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus. You're not your own. You belong to Him. When you give your life to Jesus, you're not your own anymore. Your time is not your own. And when God has an assignment for you, when you say, I give it all to you, Lord, it's the song, I surrender all. It's not the song, I surrender some. And that man walked up to me. I'm so distraught. I just got off the phone. My wife let somebody in the house that said they were coming by and that I had sent them. And he raped my wife. And he got into the house using my name. These are real issues. It's not a pretty story, but it's a real story. And when we are Jesus with skin on, we are his hands and feet extended in the earth. And this will keep us on our knees before God to be in his presence to get refilled. I had no answers for him. But it was a cold day, but a God warmed things up and God set him free from the pain and the anguish. Can you imagine if the situation was you as the husband in prison or the wife waiting for her husband to come home, knowing it would be years? God answered an email. He answered an email. And that's when we get on our knees before the Lord in pain and anguish and we cry out. And He somehow makes all things beautiful in His time. And when God gives you gifts or talents, there's responsibility that comes with them. And that responsibility will require you and me to get back on our knees repeatedly before God. Because we need His presence to fill us, we need his presence to restore us, we need his presence to anoint us, because apart from him, we can do nothing. I remember another time, it would be at the next facility, I would get kicked out of that one, um, 
for preaching the gospel, actually. And I would arrive at the next facility. It was funny in transit. There was like, I don't know, 40 people saved. I was stuck in this facility, the draconian facility in Oklahoma City Transfer Center. And I just started praying in tongues about 16 hours a day in my prison cell, this little two-man cell. I was alone in there. So after about three days, 16 hours a day, I came out. I was filled with the power of God. I had an email. And uh, so there I was, started a Bible study with two or three guys, and then it turned bilingual. And the next thing you know, there was like 30 or 40 people a night in this pod of about 120 guys. The revival broke out. And so it was there about two weeks and went to the next facility. <laughs> when I got there, chaplain came against me. He later endorsed my book, That Right to Hell, Journey to Freedom, you know. But at the time, he misunderstood me, and he'd been gone a couple weeks, a little revival had broken out. And after that misunderstanding, he hired me as his head clerk, and then the revival breaks out. But I remember, I think it was about 67 people came to Christ over the next you know, month and a half. And I'm talking about one-on-one -on -one salvation, just on the compound. This revival breaks out, and I was spent. I was spent from revival to revival, to revival, but I needed rest. And my battery wasn't getting recharged because ministry was pulling on me. Maybe life has pulled on you. Maybe business has pulled on you. Career, family, politics, social media has pulled on you. You can cry out to God and he'll hear your email and he'll fill you, he'll refresh you, He'll recalibrate you, or you can just tell him what you're going through, and he'll just comfort you because he responds to emails. And I remember there was three people in a matter of two hours that came to me. And one of them came to me and said, David, I just came back from the counselor's office, and they served me these papers. My wife is divorcing me. I was like, oh. So I didn't know what to say. And remember, I was always already low on battery life because I didn't get my phone back on the charger. I didn't get my spirit man back on the charger, plugging in, sending emails, and getting on the charger with the Lord. And it's a dangerous place to be when people are pulling on you and you're out of battery life. You ever tried to make a phone call and your phone keeps going dead? You try to plug it in, it turns on and then it turns off and it goes, you just keep, but that trickle charge gives you the ability to talk all day and to use all your apps. We need to be in the presence. And just as I'm getting done ministering to him, I'm getting spent, not operating out of the overflow, but operating out of my own battery. See, because when you're plugged into the wall, you can talk all day. When you just got that battery, it'll drain. Here's what happened. Person, I need to talk with you. And I said, okay. And I said, excuse me. I stepped away. They said, I just came off a visit. My wife just told me she's divorcing me. Back to back. And then the third person comes walking up. They just got legal mail. 
their wife was divorcing them. Three people in a matter of like two hours. And something happened to my spirit man. It's like it was overloaded with the pull and I couldn't hold the charge anymore. After all that revival, and I could not, for the life of me, the more I prayed, I couldn't get my battery with the Lord recharged. I needed rest. And I went into a church service and a prophetic volunteer looked at me. He says, the Lord has given me a word for you. You're not to come to church for one month. And everybody looked. I thought, I've been kicked out of church before. <laughs> and he says, it's because you need rest. Now, what I'm about to tell you next, my religious uh, mindset at the time didn't want to hear it. But he said, you're not to come to Bible study. You're not to fellowship with anybody in the Word. You can read the Bible on your own, but you're just to play board games and chess and go out and don't even think about ministry for a month. He says, God is giving you a time of rest. It's time for you to get back into his presence one-on-one -on -one and to do nothing, not to be in the word to get a message, not to be in the word to preach it to others, to be in the word to be alone with him. And God restored my email during that time. And God wants to restore yours as well. Is this helpful at all for anybody? So Hannah, she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime and as a sign that he has been dedicated to you, his hair will never be cut. It's like a Nazarite vow like <coughs> Samson had, that this was Samuel. First Samuel verse chapter 1, verses 9 through 24. And verse 12, as she was praying to the Lord, she's busy emailing God. But somebody saw her on her Holy Ghost computer. And he watched her. Eli the priest watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound. Her keyboard was typing, but he couldn't hear what she was saying. He thought she'd been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. You know, sometimes when you're emailing God, and you're in anguish and pain, other people around you don't understand it. They think you're on drugs or alcohol or this and that. And sometimes when you're really pouring it out to God, they think you've lost it. And in reality, you've just got to the end of yourself and now God is about to begin. She said, oh no, she replied to Eli the priest. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you've asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed, verse 18. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. When you get done hitting send on your email, there's something when you release that unto the Lord, all the pain and anguish turns to, I prayed through it. And when you pray through, you may not see an instant answer, but something on the inside of you knows heaven has heard your prayer and help is on the way. First John 5, 14 and 15 says, 
if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears our email. Okay, I'm adding a little there. We know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have been granted the petition we've asked of him. The entire family, verse 19, got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. So he heard her prayer, but then there was action that needed to take place after that for her prayer to be answered. Sometimes you've got your prayer answered from the Lord, but then he'll require another step for you to step out on faith for that thing to conceive in you. Here we're talking about a child conceiving, but it could be an idea or an event or somebody's salvation. And in due time, Hannah gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on to their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best. Verse 23, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. Do you know how difficult it would be for you to vow to give your child unto the Lord? And you wanted to keep him another year so you could be with your child and wean the child before you brought the child into the house of the Lord and released him unto the Lord's service from your youth. That's tough, isn't it? But she did it. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. Verse 24. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying unto the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. He got my email. He heard it and he answered now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Samuel went on to hear the voice of the Lord. Eli, who had a religious spirit and thought she was drunk, then ended up raising Samuel up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Eli had two wicked sons who were sleeping with women in the tabernacle of God and keeping back the best pieces that were supposed to be sacrificed unto the Lord. And they ended up dying in battle. Eli ended up saying the, the glory has departed. And guess what? He fell over backwards and broke his neck and Samuel became the prophet. Crazy stories, aren't they? In the Bible. Let me share something with you. You want a conspiracy? You want murder? You want this? You want that? It's all in the trusty 66. I remember there was a mafia don one day. He said to me, he said, Dave, Dave, can you get me a mafia book out of the, out of the, the library? I'm out. Now, you know, I can't leave. I'm up in this hospital floor. I said, I'm going to bring you one. I'm going to bring you one about a mafia don named Solomon. He says, Solomon? He says, Don Solomon, you know, the mafia don? I said, yeah. He says, w w was he in Chicago? Was he in L.A.? Was he in New York? Was he in Vegas? I said, no, Israel. He says, Solomon from Israel, Don Solomon? Yeah, I'll bring it to you. 
You like murder. You like conspiracy. This guy was so rich. He, people gave him 660 talents of gold. That's about 75 pounds each. They would bring it to him. He had so much money, he put silver in the streets and he would embed it in. He had it going on. Everybody paid tribute to Solomon. I want to hear about this mafia down in Solomon. I can't believe I never heard about it. So I got him a bonded leather bound Bible. I got him an NIV and I brought it up to him and I put the ribbon inside about King Solomon, the richest man in all of history. I also told him, I said, Solomon, he had a lot of women too. He says, really, how many women? I said, a thousand. <laughs> what? He had a thousand women? He says, that's a lot. I said, 700 of them were wives, 300 of them were his side chicks. He says, really, I got to read about this Don Solomon. Anyway, so I bring him up the Bible, the trusty 66 books of the Bible. And he looks at me and I open it up. <coughs> this is Don Solomon. He looked at me, he says, you know, kid? He says, I'm going to read this Don Solomon. He says, you know why? He says, you got me. He says, you tricked me. He yeah. says, but I like that about you. He says, I'm going to read it. So he ends up reading about Don Solomon. I saw him about four days later before I could get back up to see him. He was an Italian guy. He had a thick gray head of hair. He was very sick, but his hair was very healthy. And he was on that, uh, that hospital floor. And when I showed up that day, he was in for 500 kilos of heroin. He was a big mafia down on him. And so I remember he had a different look about him. He was glowing. He prayed an email. And he got through on email. And he got born again, reading about Solomon, and he kept on reading. And he ended up going on to be with the Lord about two weeks later and he stepped into wow. eternity. He got in with his shirt tail of smoking because of Don Solomon. Wow. That's right. All you gotta do is pray one email, send one email and it'll get you saved. One email will get you delivered. One email will get you filled with the Holy Spirit. One email can cause heaven to be released for your children to have an encounter with the Lord. My mom sent a lot of emails with me because a hard head makes a soft bottom and the Lord paddled me pretty good but in response to my mother's emails God sent heaven into my prison cell and Jesus appeared and glory appeared and I was radically changed 32 years ago now she's gone on to heaven but her legacy lives on the earth your mother or father or aunt or uncle may have gone on to heaven but their legacy lives on in the earth because their emails are continuing to be answered today. Daniel prayed and changed the nation. And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Daniel 9, 3 through 19. Daniel prayed and he spent time on his knees and he sent an email and God answered. And then those three Israelite boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By the way, I'll do this. My, uh, I'm, I'm gonna stay away from it. I'd probably just get myself. People, people twisted. They won't understand the liberty. Anyway, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in the fiery furnace. But before they went in, they said, "We're not gonna bow, and we're not gonna burn." They sent out emails to God, and God answered and sent the fourth man in the fire. 
the Son of God. And guess who got burned up in the fire? That turned it up seven times hotter. The, the guards who threw him in got burned up. But they didn't even have a smell of smoke on their hair. And it was a sign or a wonder. Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord. He sent an email. O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and listen to all the words of Sennacherib, this wicked man who sent them to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated all the countries and their lands and have cast their goods or gods into the fire. But they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, so they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from this hand, his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. He sent an email. He honored God. God answered and destroyed the Syrian armies, and they were delivered. Hezekiah was given a death sentence by Isaiah, but he turned his face to the wall. He sent an email. And he wept bitterly, and God answered and said, I'm reversing the edict. You'll live an extra 15 years. Solomon got on his knees with Nemao and prayed for wisdom, and God made him the wisest Old Testament king. Give or take 999 other wives. But that's another story. God caused Solomon to have such wisdom that he wrote, Proverbs, 31 chapters, one for every day of the month. And if you want wisdom, today's December 7th. Open your Bible and read Proverbs chapter 7. Tomorrow morning is the 8th of December. Read Proverbs chapter 8. And the next day, chapter 9. It's easy to stay on track if it's the day of the month just read a chapter of the book of Proverbs. And if you've got a 28-day month in February, double up a couple of the days. But get through them. You can also read five psalms a day because there's 150 of those. So the first five psalms and chapter one of Proverbs. The second five psalms, chapter two of Proverbs on the second day. And on the 30th day, read the last five Psalms. And Psalms, Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs. You'll be filled with the Spirit and you'll get a lot of your emails answered from the Lord. Joanna, do you have anything? Mm, not in particular. Have you gotten any emails answered lately? I have. Share one. I put her on the spot. <laughs> well, I was just reading uh, this morning, actually, in uh, Proverbs. And I was just thanking the Lord. And we kind of prayed about this earlier before we started our Facebook Live with the in-person group. And we were thanking God for the little things that He answers. Even as simple as a parking spot. Oh, Lord! Help me find a parking spot, you know, or like for us, us ladies needing that perfect dress, you know, for an occasion. By and the way, that's parking space faith, that's dress faith. That's right. And God will answer that because he's into what you're into so that he can fellowship with you, teach you faith, 
so that he can ascend us and build us up into what he's into, which is people. Mm-hmm. But, but really, you know, the, the Bible says, come before the courtroom of heaven, before the gates of thanksgiving and with praise. And I realized one of the things that God's been highlighting for me is to seek his presence. Because if we don't have his presence, then in my opinion, we have nothing. You know, and I've kind of been in this season where I have kind of felt stuck. You know, I like I haven't had this breakthrough in the, a new level of his presence. And, and then it makes me think about people who don't know God. And that's a really scary thought to be in this dark world without his presence. And, uh, you know, and so that just drives me to my knees when I don't feel his presence. You know, he's always with me and I know that, but I also know the intimacy. And so, uh, so that's really been highlighted to me. And that's what I've been pressing into this week is to be in his presence because that's where everything flows. Seek first the kingdom of righteousness and all else, A-L-L, all else will be added unto you, to those who believe. So that, that's a big thing right there is our belief. Where is your belief right now that God will answer prayer? Because when you're in the thick of it, when you're in that fire, in the valley of the shadow of death, you know, it can be really easy to lose sight and get stuck in that valley. And we're not meant to stay there. And so if that's you tonight and you have been feeling stuck in that valley, maybe it's sickness you've been battling because a lot of people have been battling that. You know, maybe it's financial valley you're in right now and you just can't seem to get that breakthrough. Maybe you've been praying for your son or your daughter and they just seem as far away from God as possible. Well, I want to encourage you tonight. You stand firm and you seek like David was saying, neology or email. Send that email and seek his face, seek his presence, and don't stop until he answers you. Because he wants, the Bible says he's already, before we cry out, I will answer you, says the Lord. And if you don't know God tonight, and you're watching this, or you have just felt far away from him, and you just feel out in the abyss of the ocean, tonight's your night to be drawn back to Jesus, back to the love who loves you. And so I just want to invite you to just repeat after me, or say your own prayer, you know, here in, inside the house and right in your home right now. And I encourage you, an act of faith just to get on your knees and send an email unto God. Some of the greatest prayers God has ever answered were when I took time to get out of the chair or out of bed and to get on my knees. There was a woman who was known as Camel Knees because she was an intercessor. And her knees could become like camels because she spent so much time on her knees before prayer. Can you imagine your trophies that you present to God? Are your knees from all the emails you send? 
<laughs> Go ahead, Joanna. Okay. So, Heavenly Father, I just come before you. Go ahead and repeat in your heart. Go ahead and repeat it at your house right now, wherever you're at. Maybe you're listening. I come before you on my knees. And I surrender to you all of the feelings of feeling in the abyss, feeling in the darkness, feeling a lack of faith, feeling hopeless, feeling like you're not answering me, feeling like I'm alone. Just name whatever it is right now. You're going to surrender this to the Lord. Maybe you're feeling like a failure in your finances. You've been struggling in your finances. You just can't seem to get that breakthrough. Well, tonight we stand in agreement with you. We stand in agreement that tonight, as you are surrendering to God, to seek his presence, that this thing is broken in the mighty name of Jesus, and that you will have this breakthrough where you can feel his presence. So Lord, we surrender everything to you tonight. Every form of iniquity, or things that we said or didn't say and we should have said or we kept silent when we should have spoken up or we lied and we told a fib or we got we operated in fear we got scared and we compromised whatever it is we lay it at your feet so lay it at his feet right now and we repent lord because your word says in second chronicles 7 14 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them their sins and I will heal your land, says the Lord. So Lord, we thank you that tonight we come as a body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, before the throne room, on our knees. And we repent, Lord God. We don't want to be the same person that when we that we started out with tonight. We want to be transformed in your presence. We want to be transformed in your love. It is your love that causes the darkness to flee. I don't want to hear the words. This is a scary passage. At the end of the days, when we all go before you, and we say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not heal the sick and feed the poor? And you will say these scary words, get away from me, you evildoer, I never knew you. So Lord, I don't wanna be one of those people. And Lord, I pray tonight that you help us to know you, to help us to know you like never before to help us to walk in faith and in courage. I, we ask for that tonight. I ask for courage, Lord. I ask that you give us courage. I ask that you give us hope. I ask that, Lord God, that you forgive us of our lack of faith, of being a coward. The Bible says a coward will not get into heaven. And so, Lord, we repent in every area where we've been cowards and we operated in fear, which is the opposite of your love. So, Lord, tonight we surrender these things and we say, change us, Jesus. Change us. Let us not be the same from this day forward. In your mighty name, as we repent and you forgive us our sins and heal our land. 
as we seek first the kingdom of righteousness and all else will be added unto us. Because before we cry out, you have already answered, Lord. So now give us what we need to receive those answers, to stand firm and to keep standing firm and to never give up. You didn't give up on us, Lord. So whoever tonight is listening and they are just kind of ready to give up and quit, I say, stop it. It is not your time to quit. It is not your time to give up. That is the devil and he's a liar. God has a breakthrough for you. He's got a breakthrough in your health. He's got a breakthrough in your finances. He's got a breakthrough in your marriage. He's got a breakthrough in your relationships. He's got a breakthrough for your children, for your mom, your dad, your nieces, your nephews, your godchildren, your friends. He's got a breakthrough. And we call on that breakthrough. And that breakthrough comes from knowing Jesus intimately. So Lord, we surrender our hearts to you afresh tonight. We give you our heart, we give you our soul, we give you our bodies, we give you our minds. We write you on the tablets of our heart. We write the word of God on the tablets of our hearts. And we receive tonight what you have for us, Lord. We receive to, from you the, the fruit of your love. And we call it forth to manifest everywhere that we go, that we shine the light of Jesus who's the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. So never, ever give up because God's listening and he's got the answer, which is his presence, which is his love, which is knowing him intimately with all your heart. No holds bar. So Lord, we bless we bless your name tonight. We bless your mighty name, Jesus. And we thank you. And we praise you. And we thank you that you have written your name on the tablets of our heart. So now help us to know that name like never before for such a time as this. As you raise us up to be warriors for you. You are the lover of our soul. So help us to know you, Lord God, as the lover of our soul who cares for us. You care about us. So manifest your face to us tonight, Lord. Manifest your face every day, every day from this point forward, Lord. And we pray these things in the mighty, mighty, precious, beautiful name of Jesus. You are so worthy to be praised, Lord Jesus. You are so worthy. And we thank you, Lord. We say thanks. In all things, give thanks unto him. Thank the Lord tonight. He saved you. He's healing you right now. He's delivering you. He's delivering your family. He's delivering you out of the situation. And he's going to give you a new perspective, a new insight, new knowledge, new understanding to make different choices. He will make every crooked path straight. He lights up that path of darkness and he makes it shine. 
so that you can see. And he takes your hand and he walks you. His little child, he walks you as he's taking you by the hand on these paths so that you won't trip, you won't fail. And when you fall, he picks you right back up. And he says, it's okay, baby, it's okay. Daddy's got you. Daddy's got you. Abba Father has you. So wrap your arms around us now, Lord. And we close these prayers in the mighty name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Kodesh. And we give you all glory, honor, and praise. Let our hearts praise you, Lord. Let what comes out of our mouth be pleasing unto you. Help us to be mindful of our mouth, what we say or what we don't say that we should say, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing us tonight, delivering us tonight, forgiving us tonight, refreshing us tonight, opening our eyes, opening our ears, Lord. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. We get on our knees and we pray to God and we send an email. An email. And then we open this, the trusty 66. 66 books of the Bible. And they're love letters from God. And as we're reading, all of a sudden, something will lift off the page at us. And in your spirit, you'll hear, ding, you've got mail. And it's God responding back to you. An email is us praying unto the Lord. Ding. And he highlights with his Holy Spirit something from the scriptures as we read the love letters from God. The B-I-B-L-E, basic, basic instructions before leaving earth. I'm David, my lovely wife. Joanna. We are the Herobedians. We love you. Virtualchurchmedia.com. If you'd like to donate for Bibles this year, we're getting ready to send out our final set of Bibles. I think we just sent 92, 95 bonded leather, imitation leather, and some genuine leather study Bibles into the prison through Heart of America Prison Ministries, heartprisonministries.org. And we also are getting ready to send out Christmas cards. Pray for us, mailroom regulations have changed because of fentanyl. <laughs> and so, uh, I don't want to end on that note, but we're navigating through that, and God is giving us wisdom at those 1,500 facilities that we send materials into. With your donor dollars, we partner with you, you partner with us, we partner with heaven, and we get the gospel, that's right, the medicine, the gospel, gospel in, to help save lives, change lives, one Bible at a time, one resource at a time, and one love letter in the form of a Christmas card that says you are not forgotten Clara you are not forgotten Bill you are not forgotten because Jesus has inscribed us on the palms of his hands Psalms 49 Isaiah 49 16 God bless you we'll see you next week God bless you guys God bless you.